Welcome to the Acts 29 U.S. South Central Podcast. My name is Bob Thune. I am the lead pastor of Coram Deo Church in Omaha, Nebraska, and I have the joy and privilege of hosting this podcast. Acts 29 is a global family of church planting churches, and the Acts 29 U.S. South Central Network focuses specifically on strengthening and planting churches in Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, and Texas. And on this podcast, we take the best content we have on church planting and church leadership, and we make it available to you to equip and encourage you in gospel ministry. We recently gathered together in Houston, Texas for the Acts 29 Church Planting Mini Conference. This is a one-day conference focused on church planting, where we spend the day hearing a number of small, dense TED Talks from various leaders throughout our network. Uh, having to do with what it looks like to plant churches. Uh, When Acts 29 thinks about church planting, we think about the man who is called to plant the church, the message, which is the gospel, and the mission of church planting. And so we designed this conference around those three themes. And on this episode of the podcast, you'll hear some of the content from that conference. This is, you know, what you've heard thus far are some leaders thinking and doing some work helping us think about the man and the message um, I think it's also helpful in a moment like this uh, to get some insight into, okay, let's say I'm called to plant a church or let's say I'm thinking about planting a church or let's say I'm, I want to be a church that's involved in church planting. What's that look like in the nitty gritty day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, sort of on the ground in a real live context? And so I wanted to take at least a few minutes in this afternoon uh, to have you hear from some people that are actually planting churches and just having them talk about, hey, where are you planting? What kind of people are you planting with? And, uh, and tell us a little bit about the real journey. What's it really like as a leader, as a pastor, uh, as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a disciple maker to, to lead and walk this out in, in the real life context. So I'm gonna let each of these guys uh, speak to that. So the first, the first thing I'd like you guys to do is just each of you talk about, um, tell us, give us a snapshot of the church you're planting. So the, the where, the who, kind of what's the context or the people group or the, the nature of the kind of church you're planting, and then just a little bit of, you know, how long you've been at it and, and where are things at kind of in this exact moment. I'll go first because Reed won't take the mic from me. So um, my name is Byron Vaughn, and we are planting um, a church about three or four miles up the road here in Clear Lake. We're planting a Spanish-speaking church, uh, which we need more of in Acts 29. Uh, so if that in any way resonates with you, I hope that God will do some stuff in your heart. Um, but uh, we, um, it's actually embarrassing to tell you how long ago this journey started. Um, you know, I'm trying to figure out process in my heart and looking back at the history, like how can I phrase this where it sounds good? But it's just a long, long journey. Um, I, I stood on this stage probably six or seven years ago when God first brought us down to Houston and shared what he had called us here to do. And it's been a long process of starting to gather people and try to figure out specifically how and where uh, God was going to do this. And um, uh, we figured out that it was going to be a distinct standalone Spanish-speaking church. We do have Spanish-speaking, but to be a standalone church plant uh, probably about four years ago and started the process of figuring out, okay, who are we going to be? What's our vision? What's our DNA? And then um, started uh, beginning to publicly uh, operate as Vita Church uh, about two and a half years ago. We just moved up to the Clear Lake area about one year ago, that, which was kind of like a soft launch for us. And um, we have about uh, 50 people gathering on Sundays. 
Um, and it is, it's been long and grueling, and I'm sure we'll say a little bit more about uh, the joys and the challenges of planting a uh, non-Anglo, non-English speaking church in the United States. So now you got to take it. Uh, my name is Reed. I'm the lead pastor of Sojourn Montrose Church. Uh, and so really the first part of that story is Sojourn Montrose is part of a family of congregations in the city of Houston um, that go by Sojourn and then whatever neighborhood you're in. So the first one of those was Sojourn Heights in 2010. Um, the second one that was planted was Sojourn Montrose, the church that I lead in 2013. So we celebrated our sixth birthday um, yesterday. And a little bit more of that history is I didn't plant Sojourn Montrose. Uh, Marshall Dallas did, um, who's uh, one of our, our lay elders now, one of our pastors. Um, and we transitioned me into leadership. I was a core team member who then became a, a missional community leader, who then became a staff member, who then became an elder, who now is the lead elder. Um, and the only reason that transition happened is because Marshall actually moved to be the church planning director and pastor for our whole family of congregations in Sojourn Houston. So um, beyond that, there's a lot of reasons that Sojourn Houston um, as a family of congregations shouldn't really exist. We've had a lot of leadership change and, um, and things like that. However, God has been super gracious. And so in 10 years, we've planted six churches um, in Metro Houston. Um, after Sojourn Montrose was planted, then we planted Sojourn Galleria, then Sojourn Spring Branch, then Sojourn East End, and now we're planting Sojourn Braisewood. And we just got two new church planters to plant in the OST South Union area. Um, who moved from Mississippi with the intention of planting in, uh, in Houston with us. So there's a cool story being told by no, really no one's uh, skill, <laughs> really, in the, in the Sojourn Network, even though I love our family dearly, but it's just been God's grace over and over again. So that's our history as a family. Our, our context at Sojourn Montrose is, Montrose is a very progressive neighborhood. Um, it's probably the most progressive neighborhood ideologically in Houston. Um, and so we don't have a problem with people in our neighborhood um, thinking that they know Jesus and follow him, and they really don't. We, we are very clear who, uh, how many non-believers are in our neighborhood. They tell us all the time uh, that they don't believe that. And so we have a different uh, context than a lot of, I guess, the farther churches out in Houston. But um, it's been a joy. We, uh, we're 115 members, and we've been trying to, um, one thing we're celebrating now is we've been trying to get in a school for six years. Some of y'all are like trying to get out of schools. We've been trying to get in a school for six years. And so this coming Sunday will be our first Sunday in a, in a public elementary school, yeah. which we're celebrating a home as a congregation. So that's what's going on with us. Yeah, we're trying to get up out of that school, dog. Yeah. So, my, uh, yeah, Tori, we planted in uh, central East Austin, about a mile away from UT downtown. So we're downtown Austin, essentially. And we planted seven years ago. Uh, we had a core team of 11 people. So we were kind of a missional core team. Uh, kind of really just saying, man, let's reach this area. And if a church starts to form out of this, then awesome. If it doesn't, we'll try to figure out when we get there. And so... Uh, yeah, launched with that core team. Uh, we are about 800 adults right now on a Sunday, hence why we're trying to get up out of a school. And uh, it's a multi-ethnic uh, church. And so Austin, if y'all know, is a pretty homogenous city uh, and just not a lot of culture there, though they would like to think that there's a lot of culture. Uh, it's a lot of the exact same culture. Uh, but uh, being able to kind of celebrate that um, and that's really, I mean, you know, I said I brought my crew of the United Nations with me back there in the corner because that's what we look like, Latino and Indian and Asian and, you know, I'm a mixed man and we just kind of see that in our church at large. And so 
that's kind of our context. A lot of young, a lot of youth, as Austin in general, particularly downtown Austin, is very, very, very young. And so a lot of people in tech and startup or, you know, uh, young, like political climate or a lot of UT grad students, things like that. So, um, and then big into church planting, we have two of our church planters with us today and um, just really trying to multiply, particularly in Austin, but nationally in general, just trying to multiply, particularly multi-ethnic churches, uh, particularly minority men uh, as leaders, uh, because I just don't think you see that a whole lot. I think you see a lot of suburb to suburb planting, which is awesome, and we need more of that. Um, and I think that we kind of cracked the code on how to plant uh, white church planters, and that's a lot of just the context, how you raise funds, all that stuff, and it doesn't work like that, and particularly the black and Latino community. And so really trying to kind of crack that and see if we can uh, kind of push that forward is what we're hoping to do uh, as a church. All right, so talk about right now at this moment, uh, what's the biggest joy, what's the biggest challenge in each of your contexts? I'll go since I have the mic. Uh, biggest joy, I think, in our context is being able to see uh, just a ton of life transformation and life change. We just uh, did like a celebration Sunday and had, you know, eight different people get baptized, and we do those uh, every other month, quarterly kind of, and um, this is actually the lowest number that we had seen baptized in a while. So it's just, it seems like the Lord is really moving and kind of winning people to himself, which is awesome. We have two church planters on our staff at the exact same time, which is awesome. We've been wanting to plant multiple churches, and the fact that we have both of those, and um, I think it's really, really cool. And so there's been a lot of joy. It seems like there's just a ton of momentum right now, honestly. Uh, it feels like the thing that we've been trying to see kind of flesh out for years is actually starting to take fruition, and it's kind of fun. Uh, and then in comes the challenge with that, too, is it's like uh, within that, I think there's just a lot of um, uh, difficulty that comes as momentum kind of picks up. There's more expectations and more demands and kind of desires. And uh, I genuinely think, and I'm not trying to sound like super gospel coalition-y or Christian-y, but it's like I feel like the biggest challenge is always myself because in every single season I'm having to overcome some sin area that I didn't even realize was present. And so, um, you know, whether it's the desire to be liked early on or to be approved and accepted early on to show that I have some value to whatever it may be, you know, just like even today in this season, I feel like there's just a lot of uh, having to say no, and because of that, having to not be liked by a lot of people, and because my idol is out of approval, uh, I tend to get in the way most of what God is, with what God is doing, because, you know, you're your weakest link, and I am the weakest link often, and so I just, I feel like uh, that is always, it, it's always the struggle, it's this internal struggle almost, and, um, and then honestly, just some spiritual warfare that's going on, it's like, man, as God is kind of moving, you just, you feel the enemy kind of pressing in, and there's a slew of like individual stories, and broken marriages, and people that have been hurt by things that never actually happen, or they're saying things that happened that didn't happen, or um, even on staff team and stuff like that. It's just like, man, how do we, how do you maneuver through that is difficult. So I feel like there's a lot of, you know, difficulty with that. But within that, it's always like the Lord, you could tell what he's doing. It's like he's trying to, uh, you know, he chastises those he loves. He's trying to discipline me uh, to really allow that next season to actually come to fruition. So, yeah, that's kind of the highs and lows at a 30,000-foot view. Yeah, I would say um, one of the big joys we've seen lately is um, just seeing gospel culture formed in, in our community of faith. Um, 
you know, you, you cast vision and you, and you uh, share the gospel, um, you know, in, in preaching, you're gospel-centered, grace-saturated, etc. Um, and um, you don't know if people are getting it, you know, and you say, you're hearing yourself say the th- same things over and over and over. Um, and then eventually, we're now starting to see this, this culture formed, this community formed where people are connecting with us who don't have a background in church and they feel comfortable hanging around and uh, feel like they have time to explore faith and be able to, um, you know, um, be welcomed into a community. We have people who, you know, have their own strengths, sin struggles currently, uh, and they feel like they have space to kind of engage um, and come to grips with what the gospel calls them to uh, without feeling, um, you know, judged or forced, you know, you've got to change or you've got to leave. Um, families that have, you know, maybe had stuff in their past that has caused other churches to um, shun or reject them. Um, and um, they've expressed, you know, here recently that uh, they've found, you know, in this community that, that God is forming, you know, it's not an example, it's not a church of perfect lives. It's a church of uh, imperfect lives that have been transformed by Jesus. And, and they've found that their family has been uh, restored and transformed and rescued by being a part of this gospel community. And that's, that's just a God thing, the fact that God brings those things about and, and teaches us to love each other that way. So uh, that's a big, that's a big uh, joy to celebrate. And as far as challenges, um, they're really the same challenges that we've kind of had all along, I would say. Um, you know, when you're uh, planting a church, I think that's probably going to be true for everybody, uh, especially um, when you're planting in a um, Spanish-speaking context, a standalone Spanish-speaking church, because of um, just all of the dynamics of planting within a typically under-resourced demographic, uh, under-resourced education-wise, leadership-wise, finance-wise, um, yeah, the, the planter's often going to be bivocational, co-vocational, so you have a job. And so um, there's never enough time. Like, you don't have enough time to give the church. But I think this is the case no matter full-time. I think that you just don't have enough time to, to do what needs to be done, to give the church the attention it needs um, and you know it needs, to give your family the attention it needs and you know it needs, and to give yourself, like, rest and restoration and being able to seek Jesus. There's not enough time to do all those things. And family and rest trump uh, the church aspect, even though you've got to be faithful with the church side. You know, family's first or the ministry's gone too. So, uh, it, you know, God just has to give you wisdom and teach you to uh, be able to um, live a balanced life and to trust. You basically have to die to self and die to success as far as the church side of things and trust that God's the one that is going to have to um, build things. It's his work. And um, that's very, um, you know, helpful, something that we're uh, constantly learning. So I would say that those are kind of the challenges that we deal with right now or limitations of, of time and resources. Um, for us, I think last year we we sent out a church, Sojourn Easton, out of, out of Sojourn Montrose uh, with Carlos Rebel Art of Plant. Um, and last year we experienced probably the most disunity we had ever experienced as a church. And so the praise is this year by, by just the sheer grace of God, we've, we've experienced uh, the spirit of unity in our congregation in a way that we haven't um, in a really, really long time. Um, and it, it's been an absolute joy to see the people 
love each other, to see our people love each other well and become that family. Um, the hard part of that is because we planted that church last fall, it's kind of like our people think, um, and, and I even think this, like, man, we did it. Okay, cool. We did it. Um, and to turn around again and say, okay, let's, let's push back into our mission. Let's make disciples. Let's be hospitable to our neighbors. Um, let's multiply our missional communities for the sake of planting another church and another church and another church. Um, so we're united, but I'd love for us to be united on mission again. Um, and I think that's where we're kind of getting. And, and along with that, um, uh, it, it really is unexplainable that we're so united because our, I feel like our elder team has experienced the most um, kind of attack spiritually this year than we've ever experienced. Um, and, and really seeing the Lord's power manifest in weakness during that and seeing a lot of opportunities for us to be disunited, but instead push into each other as well. Um, and our relationships has been um, for the sake of our unity and the church's unity has been a, a blessing. So all of mine were kind of like two-sided goods and bads, but they're related. All right, let's, uh, let's start with you again, read and work back this way. Last question is, what's your best piece of advice? What would you tell someone who's an aspiring church planter in the room that you either wish someone would have told you, or if you're trying to help somebody process a call and a vision and a, you know, am I, should I pursue this? And if so, how? What's just your word of wisdom to an aspiring or, or questioning person who thinks I might be called to do this? Yeah, um, the, the best advice I could probably give you was I was the recipient of seeing this advice manifest. So, I, you know, as a core team member, as a young guy, when we planted six years ago, who was kind of fresh to Houston, uh, we talked about calling earlier. My calling was uh, our church planner, Marshall, sat me down and said, I think you're called to this. Um, will you consider it? Will you consider being in full-time ministry and leaving um, kind of the nonprofit world and doing this? And so... Um, when you see those people in your core team, and you will, the Lord will bring those people because it's not, you're not the one trick pony show. Um, the Lord will, will surround you with men and women who are equipped to, to join you in ministry, um, have the conversation, invite them in, place upon them the mantle of responsibility that um, you might want to hold close hand. And there are things that in church planning that you need to guard. You need to guard the mission and the vision of your church. Um, you need to guard the vision that God has given you. But when you see that vision, other people grab hold of that vision, invite them in, give them responsibility um, early on. That's what Marshall did to me. That's why I'm, I'm here. Uh, Ten years ago, I would have never told you that I would be in the work of planting churches and pastoring and preaching. Um, but because I saw that happen so well, it, it's one of the best things I think you could do early on in a church plant. I would say, uh, you know, as you're processing a call, um, don't allow uh, your own awareness of your um, inability, uh, your own sense of inadequacy, uh, because a lot of it's not misplaced. Like, you actually are seeing how um, inadequate you are for some of the things that uh, church planning will require of you, but if God is uh, distinctly, uh, continually just putting this, there's just this pull that you know he's pushing you towards this, um, just, just be reminded that uh, God has a history of choosing people to do things that are not competent to do those things. You've got Moses, you've got, you know, so many other people in the scriptures, so um, and, and even today, I mean, we've, we've heard from people that we would say are very successful uh, church planters, leaders, pastors, and to hear them even talk about 
I mean, they're aware, like other people can't see inside them, but, but they know, uh, they know that it's all about God. And so uh, those of us who may be um, not as high capacity or are equipped, um, and we know that, uh, just press into what it is God's asking you to do. And if God's asking you to move forward, move forward. And just trust that uh, he's going to bring errands around you like he did for Moses. He's going to, you know, put the pieces in place. And, um, you know, it just means he's going to get that much more of the glory of whatever he does. Because it'll be painfully obvious to everybody and you that it's not you. So keep pressing forward. And if you feel like you're really dope, be really careful, all right? <laughs> uh, I, I would say probably the biggest thing for me uh, was actually told to me right before we launched, which was awesome. It was deeply needed. Uh, in Luke 17, you have the uh, 10 lepers that are crying out to be healed. Jesus tells them, go. On your way, you'll be healed. They go, they're healed. The nine go back, and they show themselves to the priest, which is actually what Jesus commanded them to do, actually. Uh, he says, go show yourself to the priest. But the one came back to worship, and we know he was a Samaritan, and... Uh, reflecting on that, it was like, man, they went and did what literally the law actually told them to do. And so I feel like we can get super, uh, like all of the tools and the systems of how to plant a church and how to market well and, you know, how do I like follow up with people and how do I disciple people and what's the methods and what's the et cetera, et cetera. And it's almost like we can get the law of how to do church planting well. And I mean, a lot of times, man, that will actually show itself to be true. But the one guy came back to worship at Jesus's feet he said, hey, where are the other nine? I don't know. And I feel like the thing for me that I have needed in season after season after season, season of success so as not to be inflated and season of like failure so as not to be discouraged and feel disqualified is to go back to the feet of Jesus and to say, man, this is why I'm doing this. Like, I, I want you. I want to know you. I want to love you. Uh, and to remind myself of that and even to create rhythms of that to where like literally at least weekly that's happening. I mean, daily that should be happening in a lot of real ways, but like set aside time to every week go back and say, man, God, here's where I feel like I've failed. Here's where I feel like I've succeeded. I've been healed over here. Man, I'm still confused over here. I just want to be at your feet, Jesus. And it kind of keeps the mission out in front and it doesn't make it the main thing. It makes Jesus the main thing. So you don't end up cheating on Jesus with his own bride, the church, right? Because he didn't tell you to die for his bride. He already died for his bride. He wants you to love him and to know him and then to serve her as a part of her. And so I feel like coming back over and over again has been uh, really, 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 really beneficial, and I, I, I would have been out of the game at, at least at least four or five years ago had that not been a regular rhythm uh, of just reseeking Jesus and letting Him reaffirm and reignite that call uh, in every real way of the of the of the call. All right, so I want to take a minute to talk specifically to those of you in the audience who are processing the possibility of a call to church planting or who are leading existing churches and trying to figure out how can we be more engaged in church planting. And there are generally three things that you probably are pondering that I want to talk specifically about. Number one, the first thing you want to do is just learn. Most of us up here, uh, as we process, you know, should I plant the church and how should I be involved in church planting? There's a, there's a component of like, well, who's doing that? Who can I learn from? And how can I get some insight into how to think about this? 
Um, and so obviously this conference exists for that purpose. The relationships we're trying to create through this room exists for that purpose. Um, but also the Acts 29 South Central website and sort of media crew exists for that purpose. And so there is a, a podcast that we do um, that's Acts 29 US South Central podcast. That's a good place to start that comes out every couple of weeks. In addition to that, um, through that same link, acts29ussouthcentral.org, you can get to just some of the resources that Acts 29 has about uh, what are the competencies of a, of a core competencies of a church planter? Um, what, how do we think about the, the 10 or 11 sort of micro skills that you really need to have to be successful in this work? So if one, no, step one is learn, all right? Uh, step two is how can I develop and get trained or equipped? And so I want, you, I want to encourage you, especially those of you who are thinking about church planting, to think about getting into a residency or getting into a, a church that does church planting where you can just learn it. Either you learn it like Reed did where I'm going to jump in and be on the core team and, oh gosh, God keeps seeming to call me to, into more and more leadership. Or you jump into an existing church planting residency where there's a, you're actually in a track where you can actually learn and grow in these ways. And so if you put up that gray slide, um, that's the one that sort of has, you know, there's, there's sort of two ways of thinking about this planting with us if you're an aspiring church planter or partnering with us if you're an existing church and whichever of those lanes you fall in if you're thinking man I I might be a church planter we think it's really crucial that you get in a learning environment where you can grow in the skill and self-knowledge that you need to in order to be sent out and be effective if you're an existing church we want you to help create those pathways Our, our invitation to you is hey would you link arms with us not just so we can you know throw resources at church planting but so maybe you can help to build a church planning residency within your church and begin to raise up people and leaders to send them out. And uh, especially if you're an existing church, man, that's a, a real great way to begin to think about how can we be more strategic about creating that kind of stuff. And then finally, the, the most important sort of the flagship piece of Acts 29 is the assessment process. Um, Reed Monahan, who's running the Power of Change booth out there, is actually also the assessment director for Acts 29. So he kind of has two roles. He's here with his uh, ministry, but he also is our assessment director. Assessment is the place where really sort of you get all the feedback that you need in terms of who are you, who are you not, uh, what skills do you have, what skills do you, do you still need to build um, are you qualified yet according to the biblical qualifications? All those questions are probably are bouncing around in your soul anyway that need to be affirmed by people outside of you or that need to be challenged and spoken into you by people outside of you. That's what assessment exists to do. You can find out about assessment at that same website. Reed has a lot of information there. And there is an assessment track, by the way, for church planting. There's also an assessment for existing churches where it's less of a, are you the person who should plant a church? And it's more of a, hey, let's, let's dance together and see, do we align philosophically and theologically? And, and is your church the kind of church that would find itself at home in Acts 29? And so both of those processes are right there on that assessment website. And so I want to encourage you um, to take advantage of that or explore that process. Um, I'd love for you guys to speak into real briefly, uh, which pieces of that in terms of training, assessment, what's been the most helpful thing about sort of Acts 29's piece of the equation? I mean, not all of them. I don't know. I feel like the partnership has been massive for us and just the relationships there. The assessment was huge for us, uh, just in pointing out the weaknesses, the learning, uh, being a part of a church that actually plants a ton of churches, I learned so much uh, through that. So, on, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, pump it up and, you know, he ain't paying me to do this. But I feel like all of them are super, super helpful and necessary uh, to kind of develop so that, 
man, so you plant successful churches. Like, that's really, like, we want to see churches actually succeed because we care about the mission. We want to push back darkness, and we want to see that happen well and see good, healthy churches established. So I feel like, I don't know if I can answer what was the best for me. All of them were super pivotal at different seasons in my life. Yeah, I would say um, getting plugged in with a healthy um, church, an Acts 29 church, for me has been uh, phenomenal. I, we were able to, I mentioned being on this stage years ago, so um, we've, uh, I've been able to be a part of Clear Creek Community Church for the last, you know, six, seven years, first through a church planning residency here, um, and then through being on staff, and um, just um, many churches will invite you into um, many rooms that you would never be in, and allow you to see what church planting, what uh, pastoral leadership uh, looks like. And it's just an opportunity that, I mean, to go out there and do it without having been, um, had those opportunities would be so, so different. Uh, It just gives you so much leadership wisdom. You know, he that walks with the wise will become wise. And uh, there are churches, there are people all around you that would open up their church life and their, um, you know, leadership life to be able to pour into you and to uh, allow you to grow in all those areas. And so, uh, man, as far as self-awareness, as far as people affirming, you know, from the Acts 29 assessment on to the people within that, uh, this church that have uh, poured into, spoken into us, help us know who we are, who we aren't, uh, and still affirming uh, what God's calling us to do has just been in, in those moments when you're pressing back into the feet of Jesus and saying, um, you did call me to this, right? You know, those voices are there too. Yeah. And you know that other people have seen you, they've observed you, and uh, it's very, very affirming. So, um, yeah. Yeah, the, the portion of that I've interacted with the most is the assessment. Um, and and for me, I did the assessment in June with Reed, the other Reed. Um, and it was one of the most affirming and most difficult things I've ever done uh, in my life, honestly, and definitely in my life of ministry. It was difficult, um, but it, it served my wife and I, and I, I want to emphasize the my wife part of that because um, there were things that we just hadn't realized were affecting both of us. There were things we didn't realize were affecting her in leading a church and leading a, a small church plant um, that were kind of dug up in the assessment and dug up to expose and confront for both of us and to work on and to be aware of and to pray about and to invite other pastors into and invite our elders into. Um, and without the assessment, we, we would have just carried on and not known. Um, and so for me, the, the ass- we, I remember driving home from Fort Worth that day after the assessment and just being like, that was very, very hard and very, very good. Um, and so... I wish every Christian could be assessed by Acts 29 just to get a, 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 a feel of your blind spots, but uh, that, would, that would be a large undertaking, but um, it's worth it. It's worth it. Thanks for listening to the Acts 29 U.S. South Central podcast. For more about Acts 29, you can visit acts29.com. And to find out about our work in the South Central U.S., you can visit acts29ussouthcentral.org, especially if you are in this part of the United States of America, Nebraska down to Texas. Uh, we'd like you to go there and connect with us. While you're there, you can sign up for our email newsletter. You can learn about our church planter assessment process, and you can find out about upcoming events and conferences. 
Again, that website is acts29ussouthcentral.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time.